Life Beyond Limits podcast. I'm your host, Emma Gibson. Each week I'll be sharing a combination of interviews with incredibly inspiring people from around the world who have achieved greatness, overcome adversity and never given up, as well as solo episodes from me sharing my own journey as a leading transformation coach, helping you to release resistance around money, success and self-worth and to see the limitless potential within yourself to be, do and have anything that your heart desires. My aim for this podcast is to share incredible insights into how to create a champion mindset and live the life that you were born to live with confidence, ease and belief. So are you ready to transform your life from the inside out? Let's go. Hello and welcome back to the Life Beyond Limits podcast. This week I'm joined by Monique Derwin, who is a recovering addict who now helps people self-heal from chronic pain. Born into a big family with multiple marriages between her parents, life hasn't always been easy. At 17, she fell pregnant and went on to have her second child at just 19 while dealing with an incredibly abusive relationship. After finding the strength to leave, she later turned to drugs and became an addict before ending up in a mental hospital. This was a turning point in Monique's life and she eventually managed to get off the drugs and medication organically and after years of self-neglect, started her own journey of self-love, healing, and self-discovery. She learned how our thoughts create our reality, and through journaling, self-care, and tapping, she's finally learned how to surrender and trust. Piecing her life back together hasn't always been easy, but when she finally got her life into alignment, everything transformed. Today, Monique is sharing with us how she found the strength to keep going and heal her mind, body, and spirit. So welcome, Monique. It's lovely to have you on the show. How are you? I am doing well, Emma. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Do you know, I was hooked the moment that me and you started talking a few weeks ago. I think your, your story is incredibly um, inspiring on so many levels. And I know that the work that you do now, you're so incredibly passionate about helping other people to heal chronic pain because I know when we experience trauma, we hold so much of that in our physical bodies. Um, And I really want to spend some time during this episode talking about the work that you do on the emotional and physical level, because it's incredibly fascinating and there's just so much that we can learn from that. But before we dive into that, I'd love to just hear in your own words, just how you overcame these challenges, what life was like for you and how you managed to, to transform it to the life that you have today. Yeah, so, you know, um, what, I, what I really began to understand was um, just our programming and our conditioning, the way that we were brought into the world, the environments that we're in, um, they kind of shape and mold us. They, they teach us how to be, they show us how we should behave or what we're supposed to be like. And, you know, um, and, and I'll get into that in a minute, but I'm on the other side of that now, but, but those conditions and that programming, um, you know, that, that generational stuff is, is so real and it's so heavy. And I can't in my right mind, imagine that any of this pain or trauma was ever intentional coming from the people that, you know, created the situations or the circumstances or, or the adults that were handling, you know, what was happening in life. Um, I, I really can't, truly believe that it was an intentional thing, that they didn't know how to take care of us. Um, They didn't understand that they were neglecting or that our needs weren't being met or that we weren't being seen or heard. Um, Because, 
in their role, they were just adults living life and trying the best they could with um, managing the home and the finances and the children and the, the life, you know, and um, being an adult now, I can see. I can see that we live in a 3D world and there's real life things that happen. And um, sometimes we're in a survival mode. We're just trying to live. And I can see that a lot of my life, my parents were, were in survival. Now they are brilliant and beautiful and I love them and they're amazing, but a lot of their life, they were struggling or surviving or trying to get by uh, the best that they could with what they had in front of them. And they only had so many resources, you know, we don't have, then we didn't have the understanding that we have now. We don't, we didn't have Google. We didn't have um, access to instant gratification or understanding of things. Um, Things like mental health were not discussed because it was a stigmatic thing. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't acceptable. And, you know, we would just go to the doctor for the doctor and he did everything. He did your mental health, your physical health, your spiritual health, whatever you needed, the doctor would, would give you um, and take care of it. And as I've gotten older, I realized that these are different entities, like my mind and my body and my spirit or one being in my body, but they are separate things. And so I need to love on my mind in a different way than I love on my body. And I need to love on my spirit in a different way than I love on my body. And now that I can see that those three different things are separate, but they all come together as a whole, um, it's just a different way of seeing it. Mm. Does that does that make sense when I say it like oh, that? Oh, God, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. And, you know, and I love the fact that having gone through what you've gone through, that you have, can speak so calmly and freeing about the situation. And, you know, you're right. Like, everyone is out there trying to do their best. And, you know, there unfortunately, there are some assholes who do intentionally hurt people. But the reality is the majority of people don't. Um, and quite often, you know, they can be completely oblivious to some of the hurt they've caused because it might have come from a flippant comment that they perhaps don't even remember saying to you. But the reality is, obviously, it has triggered something in us that has then gone on to create self-doubt or impacts and, and beliefs and behaviours. Um, but, yeah, I, I love that because, you know, there is a lot of blame that can go on um, with people for doing this, that and the other to us all. And um, as I said, some of it is justified, but, but the majority isn't. So I'd love to know how you got to that place of peace and, and forgiveness, really, having gone through what you've, you've been through. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, there were several years that were really, really dark. You know, this wasn't a overnight thing I just transitioned and, and life yeah. was easy. Um, this is, you know, if I look back now for at least 24 years, I have been studying self-help and how to improve the way I exist in the world. Um, but I thought it was from external things. I thought it was from changing my diet and using the crystals and, you know, stop using chemicals in my home. And if I be a yogi or if I'm a vegan or if I'm a this, you know, um, then, then I would feel better. And so, I, do, I did the certifications, I took the courses. I have a folder of certifications. It's embarrassing, you know, <laughs> um, trying to heal myself. You know, I was going in as the wounded healer and I was trying to heal other people from that broken space still. And it just wasn't transmuting. It came off a lot as confusion and anger. Mm -hmm. um, there was a lot of depression and sadness. 
so anyways, years and years and years of doing this, this work, I kept going, there's got to be more, there's got to be something, I'm missing something. And I just kept surrendering to that idea that I see people out there be healthy and happy. I see these women smile with satisfaction. Mm. I want that. And so I started using that envy as motivation. Mm. I didn't get jealous of them. I didn't want to throw them under the bus. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't do that. I was happy for their success and I wanted to know how they did it. And so I started observing people that did these things. And what I saw was they didn't wake up in the morning, hating their life. And they didn't cry about their credit card bill. And they didn't worry about their ex-husband and they didn't fuss at their kids. And so I started going like, what is it that they're doing that I'm not, you know? And so I started just really deep diving into stuff. Um, I, I became part of a group that's uh, integrative um, coaching. And in that space, I really dove into presence. Mm-hmm. And as I got present, I was able to release that shame and that guilt and those stories because mind you, I had a sketchy past, you know, even after I left the abusive relationship, whenever I got into the drugs and alcohol, um, I did some criminal activity. I did some sketchy things, you know, it, it wasn't the best lifestyle. So I had a story there. I had shame. I had drama around that. And I really had to learn to forgive myself and understand that I was also in survival mode, doing the best I could, trying to get my needs met, whatever that looked like. And I finally quit apologizing for my trauma. I quit apologizing that I was crazy or that I was ruined or that I was bashed or, or whatever. And I just started saying, this is where I'm at today. And how can I use it in my favor? And there's a tagline that I love to use and it's trauma is prerequisite for my purpose. Like my trauma personally was pre-wet for what I do now. And having yeah, been through that, you know, having that understanding and being able to love myself in a different way than I ever was before, I can extend that compassion and grace to people in a way that I never imagined was possible. Um, I, I don't have to judge them for their ways, you know? And so I can reflect that back and it's just beautiful. So when we can come from ourselves of that and give that to the world, we just light up. You know, we don't, we don't have to go look for the bad or the dark or the evil. We just come in and we, we bring the, the kindness and the gentleness and the light and just be that. And that was my main purpose. You know, um, looking back now, I can see that that was kind of the purpose in moving through that space is getting rid of that wounded healer story. You know, um, we all have our, our stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't get to judge. I don't get to judge anybody. No, do you know, you, you made some really, really good points there. A couple that I just want to bring up. I love that, that term envious motivation, because we will, we often look at people and compare um, and it can take us down that whole toxic route, but that envious motivation I love because, you know, it in, it's inspiring and it, and you've got a hunger for it, but not in a jealous way, in a, in an ambitious way. That's my interpretation of it. And I think, you know, that that in itself is um, really, really powerful um, and a great reframe because we can't ever be someone else. Even if we follow everything that they do to the letter, we will always be ourselves and we'll always have a different result to theirs because of our own upbringing and experience. Um, And so people waste so much time and energy on comparing themselves, hoping to get exactly same results but what I love with that envious motivation is that you're still doing you 
but you're using them for inspiration. So that that's really, really cool. I love how, you know, you spoke about releasing the shame and the guilt and obviously your past with forgiveness. For me, forgiveness is one of the key things to do in any healing journey. Um, and it's often one of the hardest things that people do. And there's always a lot of resistance around that for various things. But people often think that they have to forgive the people or person for doing the things that they do rather than allowing themselves to emotionally set themselves free. So I'd love for you to just explain your version of forgiveness and how you manage to get to that place in the hopes that that can inspire others, because I, it saved my life. It literally saved my life. But I resisted it for three or four years thinking there's fucking way I'm doing that. But it was a missing piece of the puzzle. It's um, it's this space where you drop in and you come out of the mindless chatter and the beliefs that, you know, something is crazy or wrong or against you. And we have to just look at why did the person do the thing they did? What was their motivation? What was their emotional state? What was their, you know, thoughts spinning around their head? What did they think? Were they in survival? Were they trying to protect themselves? Were they just, you know, doing the best they could? Or were they actually out there like trying to hurt me, you know? And I, I had to really come at it from that space. Now, um, you know, when you deal with things like domestic abuse and domestic violence and physical abuse, yes, someone physically puts their hands on you and they, they can hurt you. And I'm not denying that that's real. It is very real, but what brought that up in that person? You know, mm -hmm. not that I poked the bear or egged it on or created the, the fight or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying, but rather what's going on internally in them, that that's the way that they feel they have to react, that they can't respond in presence with, with kindness or gentleness or say things like, we're, we're really in a bad spot. I don't know what we're doing here, but instead we throw things at each other because we've never been taught, at least in my world, what an emotion was. We weren't given permission to feel them. So when we were little children and we were yelling and throwing a tantrum on the floor, we might've been popped on the butt and put in the corner or brought in the room and put in time out and said, stay here until you stop acting like this. Mm. Instead of what is going on? I see you're freaking out. What's going on in your little body? Are you feeling some kind of way? Instead of connecting with children, mm -hmm. we think they're adults and they can handle things. And we're just like, oh, stop crying. It's not a big deal, you know? Um, and then you get older and you get into those teenage years where it's like, rub some dirt on it, put a Band-Aid on it, pull your big girl panties up, white knuckle, um, hustle through. You got to work hard. These, these little suggestibility phrases, these sentences that we mindlessly say, in our unconsciousness, they actually mean something to our physical body. Mm. And so when we get older, when things go against that, you know, there's two things that happen. The mind either can't handle what's happening in front of you. And so we come out as a protection, like my mama told me that wasn't right. Right. And so it's, it's like a child talking, but it's the adult version and we're yelling curse words and we're throwing things at each other. Instead, we're calling each other ugly names um, because that child inside of us 
doesn't feel right with the situation. Um, or it's just something off the wall. Like it's something completely against everything that we know. Like they grew up in a completely different culture. You know, maybe they grew up in a house of vegans and they never eat meat, right? And you grew up in a, and on a farm and you guys only have cow. Mm. This is going to look very different to two people. And so this triggers, you know, and I like to use things that are kind of neutral, like food or vehicles, things like that, to where it kind of takes us out of the, you know, the spotlight with it. But when we can step back and just observe, you know, what is going on inside of them, when we can have adult conversation with maturity and clarity of, wait, I don't understand what you're saying. Can you say that in another way? Can you say it one more time? Mm. When I learned to speak like that, I took out all the assumptions of what the other person was saying. Um, The four agreements for me was huge in this, you know, by Don Ruiz, that's an excellent little read. And it was teaching me these things, like don't take it personally, don't make assumptions, Um, always do your best and, you know, use integrity with everything, like with your word, you know, have that honesty. And so if we can learn to speak clearly, and actually ask questions and get um, feedback that makes sense to our mind, we might not need to react and throw things or yell or explode because the body either wants to explode and come out of it or implode and shut down or eject and run away. Mm. Like Mm. that is our fight, flight, freeze senses. That's what we do Mm. in survival. And people don't understand survival and trauma can be, uh, my brother popped my balloon when I was four my dog got hit by a car and I don't know what happened to him. Or it could be like, you know, I got raped or molested or, or something, you know, really, really deep trauma is trauma is trauma into a child's mind. There is no different, you know, and we can't compare traumas. We can't judge our traumas. We have to go in and understand that the child's mind where trauma happens is being left alone to process the information and not having the ability to do it. It's not the thing that happened. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not being able to process it or understanding it. And we keep that part of us trapped inside of our body into adulthood. And then that little six-year-old or four-year-old or 13-year-old is the one clawing to come out of us. And that's the one rebelling. That's the one fighting. That's the one throwing stuff, throwing shit at you and, and yelling and cussing. It's, it's not the adult calm version that you love or that you honor or your friend or your parent or your partner, or whatever, you know? So did you do, I love everything that you've just said there, by the way, I think I've never heard it it, it explained in the way that you have, and yet it makes absolute sense. Did you go through inner child healing on your journey? Oh yeah. Part of your forgiveness process. Yeah, I had to do a lot of inner child work. Yeah. I think this is the thing is that people hear this. I mean, I do a hell of a lot with it, with, with my clients through hypnotherapy and, and it, it's so powerful, but everything that you've just said is so true. It's the younger version of you that, that's coming through and lashing out, but you just happen to be the body and the voice that's coming out of. Um, and there, it really does highlight the importance of um, healing at the core root rather than scratching the surface and just going like you've said previously with the symptoms it's not the symptoms it's the cause that you need to really um get to and again that can be buried really really deep um because you know one of the like you said you know a a four-year-old trying to process the situation that's their trauma 
sometimes that process involves putting in a box and never opening it again and then not ever really understanding why they are the way that they are until later on in life when when it all kind of comes out um so yeah it's really kind of processing it and 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 allowing that to be released at the core isn't it yeah yeah because you know triggers will mirror you know what's going on inside of us so mm -hmm. something outside of us brings it up but the triggers inside of our body, it, we call it a samskara in my world. It's an imprint in the nervous system. So it's this little wound where this thing happened, this moment in time, and it's etched into my body, right? And so when I'm in a space where something feels similar to that, it hurts. It's mm -hmm. like rubbing salt in it, right? And so it gets very aggressive. And I want to protect myself. And how do we protect? Fight, flight, freeze. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's just our human nature to do that. When people feel safe, they don't need to fight. They don't need to freeze. They don't need to flight. They will know instinctually that they have this mechanism in their body that says, don't run into the street. There's a car. You know, we will just, we will just know that. And you won't need to even be conscious to know that. You just know it automatically. So if we can trust that and we can start creating safety for our people. And safety is going to come in connection. You know, we, we're humans. We want tribal connection. We want safety. We want a group that makes us feel protected. That's why it's important to have family. That's why it's important to not be alone. All of these things go on. And so we're always looking for that. So when someone across from us is not in agreement with us, it does not create safety. Mm -hmm. If we don't feel safe inside automatically. Now, I'm at the point where you can say whatever you want to say to me, and I'm going to smile and nod my head and say, okay. And it doesn't have to bother me, you know, because that's your perception of your reality and the way you're seeing life through your lens. And if you think that I'm whatever, then that's okay. You get to do that. I don't think that. So it doesn't actually have to hurt me. Mm -hmm. But when I believe one second of what you say, I will feel pain. I will feel, I will feel traumatized from it. And so it is my job to heal myself. It is my job to love myself. It is my job to self-care on levels that I have never had access to before at this point, because I'm not willing to go back to that space where people can hurt me or traumatize me or their perception can offend me, you know? And again, it's, it all goes back to that, that wounded healer stuff. And doing the shadow work, doing the layered work, learning presence, um, understanding cognitive behavioral therapy, understanding neuroplasticity, um, understanding mind-body connection, all of these things poured into where I'm at now, you know? And so, um, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. We can take all of these years of work, you know, and I didn't lose anything. I just kept integrating it. I kept learning the next thing and integrating it. But now that I have this, it's easy. Mm. It flows. It's satisfying. It's mm. simple to be here. It's not a struggle to wake up and exist. I don't have to go, okay, Monique, today's the day. You're going to do a good job. You're going to get it together. I just show up as that version and do that. Mm. Um, but I saw her, I saw her way out there and I kept going, I'm getting closer to you, girl. Hold on. We're yeah. coming. Like I just kept seeing a version of myself that was healed and healthy and happy and just felt alive and satisfied, you know, and that was so huge for me when I could feel when I learned to turn those emotions back on, because for years I had turned them off 
And then I had numbed them with medication. I had numbed them with drugs. I had numbed them with alcohol. I had drug, you know, whatever, whatever I could buffer with and get my hands on to not feel when I had to turn those back on, it was like a flood mm. and I was a mess. Mm. I was a mess. How, how did you navigate through that? Because, you know, there were years of numbing for you. Um, and I can relate to that. And even still now, I sometimes turn to my husband and say, I just feel numb. Like people say, oh, can you feel this? Can you feel that? Like, you know, or tap into the feeling. And I think, yep, not feeling anything. I, I feel that there's still a part of me that is switched off. And I know um, that I'm not alone in that. I know that there are a lot of people that feel numb, consciously, subconsciously, whatever it may be, forced numbness or, or not, you know, there is a numbness that exists. And for someone who numbed their, their life for a period of time, both consciously and subconsciously, I'd love to hear from you as to how you managed to turn that back on and to feel safe in doing so. Because again, I think a lot of people stay numb because it's safer that way. Yeah, it is. It's mm -hmm. easy to be angry. It's yeah. safe to be angry. It's mm -hmm. safe to not take responsibility. It's safe to blame somebody else. Like it really is. And it makes us feel like, oh, they did it because, you know, whatever, you know, and it, it just feels better to us. But what I had to do was really, really get present here and embrace this and embody that in my body was being in this moment. So there were little things that I started doing. I started with trying to find gratitude was, was my number one thing. Um, I'm a huge uh, fan of the consciousness scale and things like that. And when we look at the consciousness scale, things like blame, shame, guilt, they're in the 20, 30, 40 vibrational scale, right? Now, pure consciousness is starting at 700 to a thousand. That's ideally where we want to be if we were in that perfect world, you know? And so willingness to explore willingness to try willingness to get curious even is mm. above neutrality. Mm. And so I thought if I can just be willing, if I can just be willing to try. So I would journal and I would, I would jot down my sadness and I would cry and I would feel it. Right. And I started giving myself permission to cry. Now I'll walk in the grocery store and I'll just bust tears. I don't even care where I'm at. I have no filter for it. If I have an emotion come up, I am going to feel it and I will not push it away because that's what cut me off in the beginning, you know? And again, it wasn't an intentional thing, but we were told things as children, like stop your crying. If you cry, I'm going to give you something to cry about. Stop your, you know, and again, all these siblings always poking the bear, always messing with each other, right? Somebody was always tormenting the other. It's what we did as kids, you know? And now we're all older and healed and I love it. And I'm so glad that we're close again. But there was a time where that was really painful for me. I, I struggled with it because I took it very personally. Mm. Like they were picking on me, right? Yeah. Then when I learned this work and understood that they weren't necessarily picking on me, they were reacting from their emotional confusion and distress Mm -hmm. And the way I perceived it as a child was they were picking on me, right? So I had to understand that I did have permission to feel my emotions. I was an adult. Um, I started thinking just like, I'm not fucking four years old anymore. You don't get to tell me to go cry in my bedroom. Mm -hmm. I'll be damned. I'm going to cry right here. 
you know? And I just started owning that. And I just started being that version of Monique that was like, I'm going to cry. And when, when I wanted to have fun, I would go do things like cartwheels on the beach, or I would go like do headstands. You know, I bought this yoga headstand thing so I could learn to do headstands. I was like, how can I bring fun, joy, play pleasure into my life? What brings me excitement? What brings me fun, right? And I want to do more of that. And then when the things came up that felt overwhelming and worried and fearful, I was like, is that actually a problem? Mm. Is this something that's detrimental to my life today? If I don't do this right now, will there be a fire? Will I not wake up in the morning? Will the sun, like what will happen? Mm -hmm. And I started kind of diving into that. And I was like, oh, even if I worry about this, it's not happening right now. It's six months away. Why am I going to kill myself for the next six months worrying about this thing and creating stress and drama and inflammation response in my body? Why am I going to tear up my nervous system, induce my fight, flight, freeze responses for something that's not happening right now or something that happened 30 years ago that I can't control that I just have to accept that's what was, you know? Um, and, and so I presence for me was really that grounding and that stability. Um, and then I began to just unpack or unveil you know, what we're doing, the story that's going on. Um, and that's the second part, you know, from, from the way I teach is just to unveil what's going on in your life and see what are these triggers? Where do they come from? Why do, why does this bother me? You know, I mean, Joe Schmo's just over across the street doing his thing. Why, why is he bothering me? What about that is irritating my nervous system? What does it remind me of? Well, it's likely some old story, some old perception, some old circumstance where I encountered something that was less than favorable and my body remembers. And so it's responding, but right here in this moment, Joe Schmo across the street is not that person, mm. you know, but my body doesn't know the difference. Yeah. And this is where, you know, understanding the mind and cognitive behavior and stuff come in really, really well. Mm-hmm. You said some re- like a really key word there, permission. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of us don't give ourselves that permission to feel, to be, to do self-care or to whatever. And when you do, and we often look for the permission from others before we look, give ourselves the permission because we don't want to be seen as selfish or, you know, this, that, the other, or be judged for it. But there's something very freeing when you give yourself permission to explore and to, to start getting to know yourself and observing yourself and, you know, gratitude is always the one that comes up whenever people talk about, you know, one of their first steps. It's just those simple steps of being grateful for what you have right now um, and allowing yourself to reframe that. Um, and so I really, really love that. And, you know, the permission to cry in public, because, again, we all hide our tears. And one of the things I work with my clients is to embrace themselves wholeheartedly Um, and stop hiding parts of themselves to themselves and to others because you will never feel complete and at peace all the while that you're hiding Um, and you know that in itself is incredible I love what you said about triggers because again there's something very comforting when you understand your triggers that after years of burying your head and suddenly understanding it can breathe bring peace pretty rapidly. Um, You know, I know my triggers are if I feel out of control, vulnerable, unsafe, or taken advantage of. And so, um, you know, I've shared this story a couple of times. There was something that happened to me a couple of 
months ago that was linked to the vaccine, but not to the vaccine. But I'd read something that had triggered me and it just sent me on a spiral, like you said, back to that inner child. I felt like I was drowning. I felt like I was stamping my feet. I just felt like I just wanted like a big cuddle from someone to just make me feel safe. And my husband was like, what's going on with you? You're really overreacting. And then I spoke to my family and they're like, Em, what's going on? Like, it's not an issue. I don't understand what the issue is, blah, blah, blah. And then I was thinking, oh, I'm stupid. Why am I overreacting? Anyway, I took my, myself away from the equation, sat with myself and was like, why? Why am I feeling like this? What is going on beneath the surface? Because we always like to see what's going on on the surface, which is never the truth. Um, and what was going on beneath was in that moment, something had triggered me that made me feel out of control, taken advantage of, unsafe and vulnerable. And the moment that I recognized those triggers, I was like, oh, thank God, I understand. I now know how to deal with that. I've dealt with it for years. Um, and within five minutes, I was back to myself and it was fine. And so it's so important to get to know yourself and to get to know your triggers because it will save you so much heartache and um, berating of yourself and, and judgment on yourself and judgment from others because you can then control the situation pretty quickly and deal with it in whatever which way works for you. And I just think that that's an absolute game changer. I agree, it is. Um, having that mechanism to drop into the body and get present and go, wait, 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 mm. hold on, look around, observe, take a moment, pause, mm. right? My word for 2021 was pause. This is why I needed to just stop and just settle in and, and be here and um, not try to go fix anything or adjust anything. And it's so uncomfortable because we're used to the instant gratification and we're used to being able to just take care of a symptom or, you know, we write somebody off or cancel culture is this big, huge thing right now. I don't even really know what it means, but this is what I'm hearing all over the, all over the world, you know? And so it's so easy to just disassociate and just stop and just remove. Um, but what people don't understand is that, well, in my experience, the lesson will repeat until I get it, you know? And so for me, it was like, I got hit with it. 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 And then it was like, okay, wait, this keeps coming at me. What am I missing? Mm. You know, why do I keep seeing this in people? You know, um, for years, you know, I was the wounded healer. I was very hurt and I was very much an advocate for um, women's rights and domestic abuse victims. And, you know, I wanted to donate to all the homeless shelters. And, you know, I, I had this purpose because I wanted to save them. Mm -hmm. I wanted to save them from the pain that they were experiencing because it mirrored my pain in my heart. And it was so hard to watch other people go through that thing. And it brought up all of my own um, distrust in myself and my own discomfort and my own um, just sabotaging ways, you know? And so I wanted to help them because I saw myself in them, not mm -hmm. understanding that once I healed myself, I could come in with a different level of grace and compassion and not look down on them for their pain or not feel like sorry because they were experiencing that, you know, and I want to say this in the gentlest way possible, but I need to say it because it's very true for me. That experience taught me so much about life. 
It taught me everything that I don't want to continue doing. It taught me to really honor and respect and love things in a whole different way. It gave me a different appreciation mm. that, that I can never explain or describe. Um, but it is a visceral in my body experience. My body feels calm and safe. And because I went through that, I can see all sides of it. Mm. You know, I, I, I joke around all the time and I say, I was the addict. I was the child of an addict. I was the mother of an addict. I was the sister of addicts. I was the sibling of addicts. I was the friend of addicts. I have seen what addiction does to people from all angles. And so I've seen each part in the family, what it plays, you know, Mm -hmm. and the person that's struggling and abusing whatever it is, there's really something going on deep inside them, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, if we can just as hard as it is, give a little bit of love for that. You know, not the act that they're performing, not the behavior that they're doing, but for the misunderstanding that's happening inside their cellular tissue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some, there's some healing in there. You know, it's, it's because I understand the way the mind and the body work together and separate. Mm-hmm. Um, I can have some compassion for it and it looks very different. I'm not angry. Being angry is not going to heal me. Being angry um, just creates more chronic pain in my body and more ailments manifest, more stress comes up in my body, you know, and I don't want to feel bad. (laughs) So it's, for me, it was kind of a no brainer. Like I had to learn to forgive everyone that had, you know, been in my story that had created any trauma or pain or confusion for me. Um, and also take responsibility again for the perception that my, my lens created, my brain distorted and, um, just know that even reflecting back on things, it's not always as we remember, Mm, mm. you know, that's, that's the way trauma works in the brain. It takes little bits and pieces and it puts together the puzzle for you. And so a lot of times there are things missing that someone did or said that I don't even remember, you know, that could have been kindness and gentleness towards me, but I don't remember that because the pain part of it was so heavy. And so we tend to look at that scariest thing ever, that worst case possible, because that's our human conditioning to look for that danger. And so we see the, uh, the rough side of it versus the kindness or gentleness that could come out of it, you know? Yeah. Definitely, we certainly water that seed, the seed that feels most comfortable, don't we? Versus the one that could neutralize it. We're just not not prepared, like we're not prepared to, to grow that. It's like one or the other. I absolutely admire your the way that you see things and the compassion that you share and the insights that you have. I think it, it must, it's such an amazing place to be. But what I'd love to just know is to get to that point, there must have been some challenges and resistance that came a knocking that where old habits were creeping in and, and, and it was that push pull, do I keep going or do I fall back into, I'd love for you to just share how you navigated through that part. Because for me, I find that people will start journeys they will get to to a certain limit, whatever that limit is, because it's different for each and every one of us. And then they get spooked. Something might spook them. Uh, resistance might kick in. I don't know, something. And they ha- in that split moment, they have a choice to keep going or to fall back. 
And I see too many people falling back because they don't think they've got the strength to keep going. Um, what, what things did you lean, lean into at that point to help you? Because I think so many people can benefit. Hearing the amazing place that you're at right now, to, you clearly are free. That, that's how it feels to me. You're clearly free, which very few people can get to. So to find out how to just get even to that next level would just be so insightful. Um, yeah, so a lot of it was, you know, the the act of really understanding and embodying presence in that visceral level. Um, but things that helped me get there were kind of the tools that we talked about in the beginning, like the tapping, the journaling. Um, I started just really, really going into the core being of who I was and getting rid of the limited beliefs, the suggestibility is huge. Um, and it's something I speak about a lot. And I think people don't understand how often we just spit out words without listening to them, you yeah. know, or even thinking about what we're saying. Um, we just say something because it's what we're supposed to do. You know, um, there were things like, you know, even with um, death, illness, things like that. This was a big part for me. We lost my father and my father-in-law within six months of each other back to back from um, accident, a freak accident and, and my father just passing his sleep randomly. Um, uh, and it's like, we kind of woke up and realized life is really short. Mm. And I don't wanna hold people accountable for what they did to me 20 years ago because I'm holding that rein still. I'm holding the chain. I'm, I'm attaching myself to the story and it just doesn't serve me, right? And so I started thinking about how precious life was and how short it was. And I started really, really diving into deep, deep, deep topics. Um, I started studying a lot of like Ram Dass and Neville Goddard. And, um, you know, I love Abraham Hicks, you know, all of these great teachers that have the spiritual side of things. And then there was, you know, the greats that you just see all the time, Joe Dispenza and Greg Braden, Bruce Lipton, and these guys that still present. And they all had these stories, and they were all saying the same thing in another language. Mm. And so I just started thinking, it's got to be all connected. And so I just kept diving in deeper to their work. And just, I'd, I'd read a book and I'd put it away. And a year later, I'd pick it up and I'd read it again. Mm. And I would see something completely different. And my mind was able to go, you already knew that, but you weren't ready to use it yet, right? And so I started not throwing away all of these trainings. But again, I started integrating all of this material that I had learned throughout the years. And it all had the same message, love yourself, be kind, you know, um, and, and be present. Your thoughts create your reality. It was all that same thing over and over and over again. And I started saying, I will not let my mind take over and run me anymore. My unconscious mind, you know, which runs like 90 something percent of our body on a daily basis is, is what they say. Um, I wasn't willing to do that. And so everything was very, very intense. It was like, oh, here's an orange. Okay. And so now I have this orange. And so there's nothing else in the world right now, except for this orange. And I peel this orange and I'm thinking about the soil it was grown in 
and the people that it employed and the farmers that, you know, raised it and how did they start it as a seed and how much love and compassion and attention went to get this one little orange to my house, you know, and then I started doing it with beans and my coffee and like everything. And I just started thinking like the amount of work that goes into providing these types of things, Mm. how much did people do to get this to me? I started having an appreciation that was so deep for life. Mm. It was like, I love ease. I love um, just the ease of things. I do not mind paying more for convenience. I'm mm. happy to say that that's my truth, right? But I had I wasn't appreciating it. I didn't appreciate the convenience that I got, that someone delivered my groceries to my home or that I could just jump on the internet and look up something online. I didn't appreciate the gears and the technology and all the stuff that went into each and individual moment that I existed. And when I looked at the fractal universe around me and all the stuff that it was contributing for me to be in this moment and exist, I can't have anything but gratitude. Like, even when I say my whole body just gets chills because it's like, it's so real. Mm. I'm so grateful. So I had to just really start seeing the possibility of what was available to me. I had to start looking at the potentiality out there of things that I couldn't possibly imagine I could have access to. Um, I just started really dialing in on so much gratitude for just being and living. And, you know, we miss our fathers. We miss them terribly. They were, they were pretty amazing men. They were very close to both of us. And, um, it was rough and I did a lot of numbing for that. I I drank really, really hard that entire year. It was, it was ridiculously, you know, intense. Um, but then I realized like it wasn't taking anything away. It didn't change anything because when I woke up the next day, he was still gone. And so, me numbing myself, wasn't doing anything. And weeks and months of doing the same repetitive, you know, thing wasn't helping. And so it was just like, I think I was just at the point where I was at the bottom of the rope, you know, and I often say that's, that's what it takes, you know, for most people is to be at that rock bottom place where there is no clue. And you're just like, I have nowhere to go, but up. There's no other choice at this point. There, there's nowhere further to go down, you know? And Emma, what was crazy was, you know, we had a great life. I have a, I have a beautiful marriage. My husband's always been really, really great to me. Um, we had a lovely home. Our children were fine. We made great money. We had good jobs. So to the outside world, there was no problem. People didn't understand, you know? And even now, I, as I talk about this, people go, I had no idea that you were that that deep, you know, in depression. And I was like, do you remember? And I would tell stories and they're like, oh yeah. And I'm like, that's, that's what was going on, you know? Um, but I didn't have permission to speak about it or talk about it or discuss it. And so I just self-medicated. I just tried what I could. And there came a point where it just didn't work anymore. Mm. And I had moved, you know, into other States, even I had left everything more than one time and all my problems came with me. And as I was older and I started reflecting back on that, I could see, again, that's where that lesson repeats, repeats, repeats until I got it. And um, in those moments, it was like, oh, it was just like this aha, you know, this light bulb came on. Uh, I'm smiling because I so relate to all of that on so many different levels. The whole numbing thing, you're like, 
eventually you got to face it. I mean, I, I know when I went through my um, stuff, I then escaped and went traveling thinking, oh, if I just leave the country, then no one will know what I've gone through. Um, and I drank every day for that year and escaped. And then the moment I got home, nothing had changed and I had to face it. And then you numb it a little bit more and in the hopes it disappears. And the reality is, you know, I'm smiling, but the reality is it doesn't disappear until you deal with it. And equally, like you've said, you know, moving different countries, you take your problems with you. And I think our natural well, some people's natural reaction is to escape and run. Um, but it always chases you. And in the end, it, all, it really highlights that it doesn't matter what external things you put in place. The healing doesn't come from external things, experiences. It comes from within. And so you can be surrounded by the safest place with the most love and everything is there. You've got money, you've got health, you've got everything on offer for you but if you're feeling numb and shit on the inside you're not going to be able to enjoy and appreciate those things in the level that you would if you had self-healed and again I see so many people searching for this magic solution um, whether it's in business in life whatever to to just plop in their lap and go woohoo I'm here and this is the thing that's going to change your world and if you do this then this is going to be like I've even seen people spend hundreds on a pen that says dear universe because they think that by writing that with that pen it's going to make them manifest their dreams and people get caught into this like oh I need that I need that because that's going to be the thing it's just bullshit because that is all external rubbish because your programming on the inside is what will get you whatever you want on the outside. Um, and so I, I love that, you know, the importance of facing things head on. And as much as it is hard, it's harder to stay in it and constantly be on that cycle of numbing, coming out, numbing, coming out. That's just draining. It's really draining. And again, it's down to choice, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um you know, and I didn't understand that we had a choice. You know, my, my tagline is healing is a choice. I, I say that all the time. Healing is a choice. Um, you know, and I say it um, at this point as inspiration um, because we've seen it work with so many people. You know, we've seen people overcome great, great tragedy and trauma and things and, and transform into a different version of themselves. And so, again, if we can find those people and we can just observe, like, what are they doing? They're not picking on themselves. They're not bullying. They're not white knuckling. They believe their value, you know, and that's a huge part. We are always co-creating and manifesting. We are always drawing in what we are valued at our own worth, you know? And so I see that all the time too, you know, people that want to know, how do you manifest? And well, you show up as the version of you that, that did the thing that has the thing that, that is the thing, you know, whatever it is. And um, Emma, I showed up. I, I told you I could see myself out there. I could yeah. see her far, far, far away. And I would just wave every day. And I'm like, I'm coming. We're, I'm, I'm getting there, you know? And I just, I would put this brick down or I'd put this backpack down or I'd put the box in, in the car and I'd leave it in the parking lot. I'm like, I don't need to take that with me today. That's, that's not important here. And it was just a constant practice of coming back into presence, coming back into my body. And 
my clients laugh. They say, I hear you all the time, out of your head, out of your head, in your body, in your body, you know? And I say that also, I'm like, get out of your mind, drop into the body, mm-hmm. feel this. Don't try to think about it. Don't try to rationalize it because our mind has been poisoned and brainwashed with what's going on. It has been taught how to think. We have been told what to do from the time we were children. We were told when to go to bed, when to eat supper, they changed our diaper. They put us in chairs. They strapped us in, you know, we, we went to school. We had to be quiet. We had to raise our hand. We weren't allowed to go to the bathroom. Like all of this stuff was going on inside these little bodies. Mm -hmm. We're not that version anymore. We actually get to choose. We don't have to listen to anyone else. We're all fucking adults. We all get to do what we want and understanding that. And going, you're not in my home. Mm. That version, you know, of me that was scared or fighting or whatever from 20, 30, 25, 35 years ago, whatever it was, like, she doesn't live here anymore. Why is she running my life? You know, I hear people talk about their parents, you know, and their partners and things like that. And it's like, they've been divorced for years or they've been going on, but those people don't live in your lives anymore. Why are you still letting them run your head? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So true. It's so true. And yet it's so simple. But this is the thing, you know, a lot of these things are simple, but they're not easy. Um, And when you hear people say that and hearing you say that, it's like, yeah, that's so true. And, you know, tapping into your body and and feeling, you know, your gut feel, your intuition, all of that, that's the best guidance that you'll ever have. But we don't, we let our, you know, our head talk us out of things and and you know and that sort of stuff it's just trying to bring it back to the simple things I love everything that you've been saying about the visualization of your future self you connecting to her every single day the appreciation and slowing everything down and just taking it right back to the to the seed like you say really getting into that absolute appreciation and gratitude which is something that we all can benefit from. And, you know, I see people slip into gratitude and, and then go in automatic on that. Like they write the same list every day. Oh, I'm grateful for this, this, and, and then don't feel it. Um, and then it just becomes a worthless exercise because they're not doing it in the way that makes that body connection, like you were saying. There's been so many brilliant um, insights into your, your life, the work that you do, your road for to recovery and I think well I'm just sat here in awe if I'm honest with you to to be at such a peaceful place is just absolutely inspiring um and to have gone through what you've gone through and to be in this place is even more inspiring and it just shows you know every single person has their own story like you said no trauma is different from the next um, you know, a trauma is a deep emotional um, connection, and if it hurts, it doesn't matter what it is. You know, cocking up in a relate in a presentation to, you know, sexual abuse to, like you say, someone pinching a, a toy when you were younger, whatever it is, it's that feeling that is created from that trauma and that process. Like, um, and that is so true. And even though some people feel, well, mine is worse than yours, it's so important to actually just focus on what's this actually doing by you holding on to this how is this helping you you know what would it feel like to let this go and to to move and start to explore and start to kind of give yourself that grace and that compassion um 
do you because I'm conscious of time for you do you have any words of wisdom that you want to finish with um on this episode that you intuitively think people might need to hear yeah I think the main point you know is really just to we want to get to the point where we can have trust in ourselves and feel safe you know so whatever that looks like for you to be able to create that safety for yourself. Um, It might look kind of crazy the first few months or the first few years even, you know, Um, but it, whatever it is for the individual, our mind believes whatever story we tell it, our body hears that story and it takes action, you know, from that story. So what story do you want your body to believe? Like what story do you want to exist in? Uh, imagination is the greatest gift we have, mm. you know? And if we can use that in our favor um, to work around creating that safety and that security, however that looks, you know, then when we go out in the real world and there are things that kind of catch us off guard, we already have that intuition inside of us. And if we really understood how miraculous our bodies are and what they can do for us, we wouldn't pick on them so much and we wouldn't tear them up, but we would honor them in a different manner. And so that for me was a huge thing, just understanding that, you know, my physical body, if I'm cut, creates a scab. It's going to stop me from bleeding. My skin is going to cover up a wound. It protects me automatically. There is a mechanism in my body that is in my, that's on my side. That's not fighting against me. Right. And so if I am kind and gentle to that part of myself, that internal being that runs my brain, that tells my legs to walk, that does all the things for me without me saying, Hey, legs, move your, move yourself so we can walk. Right. If I can trust that part of myself. I don't, I don't have to depend on anything outside of me, Mm. you know? Um, So that's just a really, really huge thing for me is, is really understanding that safety mechanism inside of our body is there for purpose, learning how to trust it, tapping into presence and understanding that what the mind is perceiving may not be what's actually occurring. Mm. Mm. I love that. I love that. It's been amazing, Monique, um, to to have this time with you and to to get insights into your world. Um, How can people stay connected to you? Yeah, um, you can find me on Facebook. Um, You can uh, go to my website either way. It's going to be under my full name, Monique Arno Derwin. I don't know if you have show notes or not, but we can attach that. Okay. Um, So yeah, I can send you those links and you can pop them in there. Um, But yeah, I'm on Instagram, Monique underscore Derwin um, Mm -hmm. or, you know, Facebook, any of that stuff. You can Google me. I should show up. (laughs) It's been amazing. Thank you so, so much. I really, really appreciate it. And thank you everyone for tuning in today and listening. Um, And I look forward to seeing you all next week. So bye for now. Bye. That's all for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this show, please head over to iTunes, subscribe and leave a review. Bye for now.